May let us rejoice and be glad in it. How good it is for brother to dwell together in unity. What a blessing it is for us to join one more time in the house of God as we kick off the beginning of Advent season, celebrating the coming and the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to step out of heaven to clothe himself in flesh just to die on the cross for our Sins. What an awesome God. What a magnificent God. What a lovely God we serve that loves us that much that he came to give his life for us. And so as we begin this Advent season, we definitely want to take the time to remember our brothers and sisters, uh, some who are going through so many trials and tribulations. We're still in the midst of a pandemic. We're still in the midst of turmoil and trials and tribulations, but our God is able uh, to deliver us. Our God is able to give us peace and give us comfort. And most importantly, our God is mighty to save. And so as we celebrate this Advent season, let us reflect and remind ourselves of the grace and the mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to save us and to redeem us. So let us prepare and open up with a word of prayer uh, as we prepare to receive a word from God and hear a word from him. Join me, if you will. Mighty Father, Lord, we ask you right now to speak to us, guide us into your presence that we might see Jesus and have your word hidden in our heart that we might not sin against you. Father, have thine own way as we are desperate for healing, desperate for restoration. Father, bless those who are hurting, who are grieving, who are mourning. Bless those, Lord, who are sick. Uh, We ask for your healing power. And, Father, we ask you to bless us to hear a word from you today as we open up our hearts and we open up your word. Speak, Lord, your service, our listening, Lord, we pray. Amen. Glory be to our God, uh, who is worthy to be praised. We look into our Bible today. If you join me in 1 Corinthians, looking at chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. In this Advent season, we talk about and celebrate the, the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who step down out of heaven and to be born of the Virgin Mary. And so as we look at the advent of our coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we also are anticipating his return, his coming back again to restore us and get, bring in and usher in a new heaven and a new earth. And we want to celebrate with that with him. And so Advent is here. So if you think about it, right, people have begun decorating their houses, uh, they're decorating trees, they're hanging up trees, they're hanging up lights. We have children making Christmas lists and requests for what they want to see under uh, the tree. We have people giving and receiving gifts and rather be at home, at work, and other places. Uh, the season of Christmas, uh, the season of giving has come. But let us not during this season forget the greatest gift that has been given and the gift that can be received, which is the gift of salvation that comes from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and all her benefits. When we remember this gift, we remember that God's gift of love, of grace and mercy being expressed through us, through Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, our Father, for the Son, our Lord and Savior, and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a time that we should take the time to remember that Jesus truly is the purpose and the reason for this season. We celebrate Advent to celebrate Christ's coming 
as we look towards his coming back again. So therefore, let us look forward with great anticipation. Let us look forward with humility and definitely with service that we want to honor God by how we live now, working for his kingdom as we anticipate the fulfillment and the coming of his kingdom and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so with that, we'll look at First Corinthians letter written by Paul, who is an apostle of God, chosen uh, by God, writing to his brothers in Corinth and to his brother Sophonies. And so when we look in this, that we find out who Paul is, an, um, an apostle, a servant, a chosen man of God. We learn about Sophonies, if this is the same Sophonies written in, in Acts 18 chapter, was a leader of the synagogue who was beaten because of Paul preaching and proclaiming this great gospel in Corinth, how Paul stayed in Corinth and further developed the church preaching to uh, the Jews. When the Jews rejected him, that he went and preached to the Gentiles. We find this in Acts 18, chapter verse 17. It says, the crowd then grasped Sophonies and the leader of the synagogue and beat him right there in the courtroom. But Galileo paid no attention. Galileo was a high officer who they were trying to draw charges against, but due to him not being concerned of Jewish laws and rules, he let them handle their dispute on their own, and Sophonies became collateral damage as the people wanted to make sure uh, that their voice was being heard. But so Paul decided that if the Jews were not going to receive, he, he continued to preach this gospel, but therefore he made the, the Gentiles, the Greeks, his primary audience. And so some scholars see that the same Sophonies mentioned here in this letter to Corinth, is the same one that was a leader of the synagogue in Acts. One thing that is for certain that this person identified is a Christian who have received the gospel message as others did who are being addressed in this letter of Corinth. Corinth is a church mixed of Jews and Gentiles. Some of the Jews, as we found out, received this message and were transformed while some Gentiles came and received this message. But one thing they have in common now, they have a hope. In Jesus Christ. Same way we can look at this letter and realize that we have a hope in Jesus Christ and the power of this gospel. That's when the time right now that we people we have people who are desperate for hope, desperate for peace, desperate for comfort. Acts 18, chapter verse six, Paul was preaching this gospel and he says this. But when they opposed and insulted him, Paul shook the dust from his clothes and said, your blood is upon your own heads. I am innocent from now on. I will go preach to the Gentiles. We must not give up in preaching this message, but realize that if people will not listen, we've done our part in proclaiming this gospel and telling others that Jesus does save. And so Paul was moved to preach this message to the Gentiles and grow the church in Corinth and lead the people to know the power of this gospel. Which picks us up when we look at verses 2 to verses 9, we'll be focused on in this text. Verse 2 says, I'm writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. The blessing of being called by God. Being called by God also makes us holy. And so this gospel message that Paul preaches is letting them know, I thank God for what he's 
doing in your life. I think if we could take a moment and start realizing that our God has given us enough gifts, uh, we don't need to ask for any more. Just the gift of salvation is gift enough that we can start thinking about because, God, you have made us holy, we are holy. That's a, a point I just want to to, to to spend some time on here to point out that we cannot become holy on our own. We are sins on our best days. We are filthy rags. There's nothing we can do to satisfy our God. That's why he sent his son to down the cross for our sins so that we could be redeemed and saved. The, the fact that God calls us holy means he loves us and desires for us to be like him. For he is holy. We are not holy by ourselves, but he is holy. And because he is holy, he wants us to be in his presence. And for us to be in his presence, we must become holy. And so we are holy by confessing Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Then God's awesome grace starts compelling us and transforming us to the power of the Holy Spirit. That no longer is I that live, but it's he that lives in me. For we were bought by a price. So when we start walking this life out, living it out in the spirit of God, we start working and doing things we normally would not do because we're no longer living in the flesh but living in the spirit. And so we see here that God has called us to holy living. And what holy living looks like is a life of submission and surrendering to the will and the desire of God. We are made holy because he has called us holy by us placing our faith in Jesus Christ. It says all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so no matter where you are in your life, no matter where you're standing right now, if you call on Jesus, you can be holy. Not because you deserve it, not because you work for it, not because you earn it, only because of God's grace and mercy. To know that God will forgive you of all your sins. To know that God will rather show you his mercy than his wrath. To, to know that God will give you peace in the midst of all that you're going through by calling on the Son of God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, as we celebrate Advent, we're celebrating all that what Christ has done for us. That he came from heaven to die on the cross for our sins. That we might have eternal life. And so Paul is excited about how this calling we have. Verse two says, right. He made you holy by means of Christ. Jesus, you have been called by God to be his own holy people to know that God has chosen you. God has called you. And for us to respond to this call. And to have a relationship with our God. This is peace. This is joy. To know that this world is full of trials and tribulations and trouble, but they will soon pass over. To know that there's a life after this of eternity in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why Paul gets excited in verse 3. He says, may God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ give you grace. And peace. He's understanding that in the midst of the 
persecution in the midst of those coming against you, in the midst of the enemies trying to distract you and destroy you. You have peace because God is peace. Paul is grateful because God's amazing grace is being expressed to the church in Corinth. And same way as expressed the church in Corinth, God's amazing grace is still being expressed today. This grace is the continuous keeping of God's power of regeneration through the spirit that keeps us heart, keeps us in our hearts and our minds towards the Lord. Though we are prone to wonder in our flesh and our mind, we can have the Holy Spirit that will remind us and counsel us to do what is good in the sight of the Lord. Paul is speaking of this grace of God working in us and the work of God's salvation because of his grace. We are saved and kept by God's grace to do great work for the kingdom. God's grace towards us is is our is is a way to draw us into him. And then our response is our work we do for the Lord. We don't work to be saved. We work because we are saved. These are the reasons why we ought to be grateful Because God's grace is gifts that he gives us so that we can do awesome and amazing work for the kingdom. Here's when Paul starts giving thanksgiving to God because of the salvation works in our lives. So I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you. Now that you belong to Christ Jesus through him, God has enriched your church in every way. With all your eloquent words and all your knowledge, this confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly await for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is grateful for the many gifts of the spirit exemplified in the church in Corinth. The church possesses so many gifts. We learn about them in this letter. Paul points out in this letter to Corinth that we only have these gifts through Jesus Christ for the glory of the church. They are not our gifts because we because we belong to Jesus. And since we belong to him, what we do have also belongs to him. We were bought by the blood of Jesus, redeemed from the penalty of death. And so therefore, every benefit we now have, we ought to give back to the one who blessed us and who kept us. Therefore, God has gifted us with these gifts to do great work for the kingdom. We are celebrating Advent, celebrating Christmas. We celebrate giving gifts, but yet God has given us gifts that we We should be giving, we should be blessing, we should be using for other people for the glory and the building and the edification of the church and the kingdom of God. The church has come to know Christ, and so the church now has to do work for Christ because we are the body of Christ. And so when we come to work and exercise, Paul is pointing out this in his letter that God has given us these diversity of gifts to be exercised and to be used for the glory of the church. These gifts are given to those who belong to Christ Jesus, which also implies that our gifts, again, are not ours, but the Lord's. Paul prayer is also expresses the the subject matter uh, of this letter that he's later going to address about the blessingness of the gifts of the body of Christ. In addressing the church's gift, we also find out in verse 13, the love chapter we call. I want to highlight this. 
Because oftentimes we talk about the spiritual gifts and we look at verse 13 about the love, but it's pointing out that no matter all the gifts the church has, if it does not show love, it doesn't mean anything. And so think about how, again, gifts from love means so much more. Some of you might be thinking about that gift right now that you might have received a tie from your children, but it was a gift of love. And so you still wear that tie. You might have received a shirt from someone that loves you that you don't like the shirt, but it was a gift of love. You still wear that shirt. You might have a coffee mug a child might have made for you and you don't like that coffee mug. It don't look right, but you still use it because it was made from love. We do a lot of things that's made from love, but how much more God has given you life because of love. For God so loved the world he gave his only forgotten son. God's love for us has given us life. So how much more out of love we respond by giving back to God and using what he's given us for the glory and the edification and the building of his church. We know these gifts because God's love towards us. And so I just want to highlight this, that this giftedness that Paul is expressing to us, this, this giftedness that we have is all benefits from our salvation through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This love of God blesses the church in every single special way. Verse 5 of 1 Corinthians says, through him God has enriched your church in every way with all your eloquent words and all your knowledge. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes from the Lord. This great God of ours blesses us in every way. Not only does he bless us in every way, he gives us confirmation of his blessings in our lives. Paul points out that the blessings you receive confirms what I've been preaching to you. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. See, this is the beautiful thing about our God, that our God gives us evidence of who he is. We sometimes misuse and define faith as in something that cannot be determined. But faith isn't absolute. Faith is the substance, right? Substance of things. Faith is a thing that we already have. A thing that we're trusting in. Same thing that you have faith every time you get on a ladder. You have belief that that ladder will help you get up to what you're climbing to. Every time you let go of one rung, you put faith in the next rung that's going to get you closer to where you go. Every time you go up the stairs, you take one step from the next step to the next step with faith and expectancy that it's going to deliver you closer to where you're going to be. Every time you sit down in a chair, you have faith and expectancy that that chair it has the, has the capacity to hold up and maintain your weight that you don't fall down. Every time you get in your car, and you driving across a bridge, you have faith and the expectancy that that bridge will hold you up and not let you tumbling down and to be defeated by the gravity that is holding you up. If I can have one more witness in this church that can testify that faith is believing that my God, what he's done before, he will do it again. And since our God is consistent and he is eternal and he has all power in his hands, that he will never run out of the possibility of redeeming me, of forgiving me, of saving me, of healing me, of loving me, and showing me his awesome, amazing 
peace in the midst of trials and, and tribulations. That I understand that my God has delivered a great gift in my life. And that gift is Jesus, my personal Lord and Savior. And since I've got Jesus in my life, I will celebrate and worship him and adore him by how I walk out my earthly life here, that I will love my neighbor. I will be kind and gentle. I will be giving and philanthropic. I will be a good leader. I will be humble. I will show the great gifts that God has given me through the power of the Holy Spirit so that he will receive all the glory and all the honor because I am just a part of the body of the church. That's what Paul is writing to them and expressing to them in this prayer and that we can understand the power of the church that we can be change agents, we can be vocal and proclaiming this great gospel and see hearts be transformed, we see hearts be renewed because of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the power of the spirit moving in all who call on the name of the Lord. Paul's preaching of this gospel grew in their lives. The truth of the gospel was produced and they saw evidence and the presence of God moving in this life because the gospel is transformative. This gift, this gift we have that comes from God, this gospel message that lets us know that our life is worth living, our life is worth saving, and that in order for us to save our lives and to live, we first must die to this word. And know the saving power of God. Is God working in your life? The, the way that we know that God is working in our lives is how we change our lifestyles. That we are being transformed and being renewed day by day. That we start seeing the power of God moving in us. That it calms our tongues. It changes our hearts, softens our hearts and help us to be transformed for the renewing of our minds. We have these spiritual gifts because this is what Christ has promised us. Paul was preaching the promises of the Lord. He says that I will not leave you comfortless, but I will send you the Holy Spirit. The outpouring of Pentecost was a confidence of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the giftedness of God to bless us, to walk in a right relationship with him. And so we ought to be working for our Savior in response of the great gift of salvation he has given us. Just think about how someone gets hired at work. You don't start working for a company until they hire you. And when they hire you, then you start working. You don't work to get hired. You're hired because you work or you'll find another place to work. We've been saved by God. We're in his kingdom. We're in his army. And we ought to be serving him now because we've been blessed to know the redemption of sin. And we need to thank the giver of every good and perfect gift. God will keep us. He will keep us. How long will he keep us? He'll keep us till Christ returns or he calls us home. First Corinthians 1 verses 8 through 9 it says, He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited you into a partnership with his son. Jesus Christ, our Lord. I, I want to read verse 9 again and want to highlight this. God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says. God will do this because he is faithful 
to do what he says. And he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus has saved us to be blameless upon his return. Jesus desires for us to work in obedience of his will and his purpose for his kingdom so that he will be ready when he comes back. God, in keeping us, will keep you strong. The power of the Holy Spirit is your help, is your strength. Call upon the Lord when you're in time of weakness and realizing that your flesh can't do it, but the Spirit can. The Holy Spirit will guide us and and, and to be aware of the schemes of the enemy for the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing to pray so you don't fall into temptation. Be vigilant for the enemy is trying to distract you. He's trying to cause you and others to fall and causing you to hinder your witness and hurt others. But yet the church may be glorified that you might be a mighty witness because of the giftedness and the power that God has given you. May the church use your gifts for the proclaiming of the gospel. And seeing more lives coming to know the power of salvation. God will do this. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, God's a keeper. He will keep you strong to the end. That you will be free from all blame. Will you be ready when Jesus comes? The only way for us to be ready when Jesus comes, he's calling us that we must be working while it is still day, for the night comes when no man can work. And so for us to be ready, we got to keep our, our, our lamps trimmed and burning. We got to keep staying in the light. We have to continue to trust and lean on his everlasting arms. We must trust him. Lean on to your own understanding. But all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Walk by faith. Not by sight. We got to have his word hidden in our heart that we might not sin against him. This is the challenge that we might we might still be doing the work he calls us to do so that when he shows up, we won't be ashamed. We won't be in fear, but we will be able to say, Lord, by your grace. And your mercy, I am blameless. I'm, I'm called holy because you've made me holy and I'm doing the work you call me to do. And here's the thing I want to encourage is that there's no one perfect. If we were perfect, then he would not have to die for us. But because he died for us, he died for us so that we might repent, that we might change our lifestyle and continue to submit and surrender to the will of God. There's times in our lives that we're going to have some issues. We're going to struggle. But yet pray to the Lord. Trust him. Turn back to him and let him have your way. In your life by you submitting and surrendering. Saying, Lord, I'm going to do better. I'm going to trust you because, Lord, you will keep me because you are faithful to do exactly what you say. Oh, we also got awesome God that God will. Just that alone is powerful to know that God will. (laughs) What will God do? I'm glad you asked that question. God can do all things. So what will God do? God will do whatever needs to be done so that you might know how to be holy. Well, you might need to know how to call on the name of the Lord. That's why he stepped down 42 generations, that we might know Jesus being born of the Virgin Mary, that he might die on 
the cross and the earth will shake and graves will open up just for him to rise from a bald man's tomb and three days. You understand what will God do? What will God do to save you, to redeem you, to call you back? He sent his son to die on the cross. If God did not withhold his son that we might become saved, then think about it. What will God do? God showed us that he will defeat death through his son and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God shows us that he will keep us and sustain us. Just who's able to keep the children of Israel in the wilderness. We know that God's mercy and grace is all too wonderful for us. God will save. Because Jesus saves. The Lord saves. And we are partners with the Son. Jesus Christ. Our Lord. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back to usher in his new kingdom. Will you be ready? We can now celebrate this advent as we look towards him coming back again. We thank God for how he loved us and gave us the greatest gift through Jesus. He saved us. Now we wait while we work for the kingdom of God, for him to establish his kingdom in a new heaven and a new earth. But may he establish his kingdom first in your heart, in your life, in your home. Will you surrender to him right now and let the Lord have his way? Let us turn to our God for prayer. Father Lord, we ask you right now to come into those who are desperate for you, who do not know Jesus, Lord, but today they say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know what it means to be holy by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to know what it means to be holy by changing my life, to live a life that's pleasing and acceptable in thy eyesight by surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for those, Lord, who are called on you and know you, but Lord, they're struggling right now that they can confess their sins to you, repent and turn to you, Lord, and work for your kingdom right now, God. Thank you, God, that you never give up on us. Thank you, Lord, that your power never runs out. Thank you, Lord, that you are mighty to save. So, Father, have thine own way here in this place. Move as only you can. And so, Lord, as we celebrate this Advent season, we celebrate you coming into our lives, redeeming us and saving us. And, Lord, with great anticipation, we look forward for you coming back again. In Jesus' great name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining us for worship. God bless you. Until we meet again. Jesus loves you, and so do I. God bless.